What's up, Pels fans? Welcome back to the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, Pelican Debrief is a division of fan side of the ultimate home for fans. And let's face it, you're still here, which means you are an ultimate fan or you definitely would not be listening to me right now. My name is Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis. That's at Preston Ellis. It's only one S, I'll have you know. And you can follow Pelican Debrief at PelicanDebrief.com or on Twitter at PelicanDebrief. Now, usually this is the point where we bring on one of our celebrated guests. In the past week, we've had Rick Stone, we've had Adam Clawson, we have Tyler Pearson, but after all, it's a Friday night. It's pretty late, too, and the NCAA tournament and the mayhem of March Madness is upon us. So, like Jason Derulo, I am flying Han Solo. Greedo shot first. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, we're going to start this with our usual segment, What Happened? One, what? I know this is not a typo. You are hearing me correctly. 128 to 112. It wasn't even close behind the unconscionable play of the unlikeliest of heroes. I'll get to that in a moment. But the game was never in doubt. I know. Shocking. Who am I right now? Could this be another hashtag alternative fact? The Rockets had beaten the Pels by a combined 52 on the year. 52 in only two games, including a 30-point drumming in the beginning of the Boogie era just 11 games ago. And no, they did not play last night. This was not the second half of a back-to-back. In fact, they're actually going to Denver tomorrow night. So if anything, you would have thought they would give most of their effort tonight. But tonight was a thing of sorcery. And the Witch King to lead the New Orleans Pelicans, or I should say Voodoo, was none other than Solomon Hill. (laughs) <laughs> Do I still sound crazy? <laughs> the Bells went up 31 to 19 in the first quarter and the Rockets never got closer than 9 points after that. They led by as many as 23 in the contest and held a 14 to 18 point lead throughout most of the majority of the game. The Rockets caught as close as 11 in the fourth when uh, Alvin Gentry in an unusual uh, display of emotion sputtered a few not so nice for TV remarks into his timeout declaration. But uh, other than that, the game was a runaway. I'm, I think, and I, I can't be quoted on this, but I think he even might have slammed his clipboard Steve Kerr style. But I'll have to check with Rick Stone about that. Let, don't quote me on that. The, the game felt a little strange right from the get-go as our hero Solomon Hill, I can't believe I'm still saying that, got out to a 14-point start in the first quarter with four assists on just five shots. He was four of five from three. What? He finished the game with a career-high 30 points. His previous was 27. A career-high seven assists, tying his previous high. Six rebounds, two steals, And all of this on 12 shots. What? Like, what universe are we living in? He got to the free throw stripe nine times and sank eight of them. He was driving and dishing like he was Steve Nash. If I don't sound crazy enough yet, things are about to get even stranger. The first 10 points of this game belonged to Solomon Hill and 23-year-old Wayne Selden of the Kansas Jayhawks, the 10-day contract that never played before NBA 23-year-old artifact, went 4 of 5 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3-point range, including a hilarious attempted dunk in the first quarter that I'll have you know went in 
but he didn't quite reach the rim. He had to just uh, lovingly tip the ball over the rim as he ran right into it. Anyway, the Pels closed the first with 36 points, a season high. All of this, I'm forgetting, is without DeMarcus Cousins, who sat out with a rib contusion that he suffered uh, courtesy of James Johnson against the Miami Heat when James Johnson rolled into him on a lay-in, knee first, got him right in the gut, ended up getting a technical from it after um, a referee timeout, but it turns out it was much more serious than previously advertised, so he missed the game tonight. But it's a wonderful thing that he did because in the first, the Pelicans scored 13 field goals on 12 assists, purely inexplainable. I The Rockets sputtered going 39% from the field. Not only were we playing the best offense of, our, of the year, but we were playing great defense as well. Or maybe the Rockets just weren't making their shots. One person who was was James Harden, but we'll get to that in a minute. Things started unraveling quickly for the Rockets, as the Pelicans, if you will remember, in DeMarcus' first game, did get out to a very similar 30-22 lead in the first, but the Rockets quickly caught up on that. But in this game, things started unraveling quickly, as I said, for the Rockets, as Pat Beverly and Ryan Anderson picked up technicals in the second quarter, both of them, two technicals. The Rockets were flopping and whining all game long, led by their leaders of flopping and whining, the pest, Patrick Beverly, who um, Joel Myers had a couple of hilarious comments about. Uh, I think he said a friend in need is a pest, which was pretty hilarious. But um, these guys, including James Harden, their leader, would get away with several very sneaky professional flops, including uh, James Harden had several of them. He is the expert at this craft. One was a hilarious face grab while uh, defending against Anthony Davis. He got stuck on Anthony Davis a lot tonight, as did uh, Trevor Ariza. A very, um, very questionable on the part of the Rockets, but it did uh, it did prove wise for three quarters as he only scored 11 points through three. He finished with 27, but um, Anthony Davis, while moving the ball from one side to the other, obviously had to use his elbows to do such, and James Farden Harden feigned as if he had been knocked unconscious, pretty much, and uh, the refs gave him the benefit of the call, and this happened for him a lot tonight. This young man has a future in film when all is said and done. It's so aggravating watching him, but hey, I mean, you, you can't hate him. You know, if you get the calls, he's an MVP candidate. He's one of the best players in the league. And you know if he was on your team, you, you'd cheer and you'd jump out of your seat to defend him at every conclusion of one of these obscene gestures. But the most excruciating part is that, though he is the mastermind and expert at it, that it... It, it rubs off on the rest of the league. You see so many guys. LeBron James, I remember during the finals last year, as um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. I remember him flopping over Draymond Green and then getting up and stepping over him and Draymond reacting to it and getting the technical after LeBron had not only flopped, but it then had blatantly walked over him. And Chris Paul is now a, a king of flopping. In fact, the whole Clippers roster is so good at it. It's just something that continues rubbing off on other NBA players because they see James Harden get to the line 14 times as he did tonight, and they see that it works. And so if it works, you... you have to make it part of your game. Anywho, I'm getting off topic because it's something that really frustrates me. You know, that and uh, all the timeouts and replays that take place in the last two minutes of every NBA contest. Anywho, 
The Pelicans impressed the heck out of me and everyone else in the second with a with a lineup of Tim Frazier, Etwan Moore, Jordan Crawford, Dante Cunningham, and Alexi Ajinka. Ajinsa, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hopefully one of the two ways I pronounced it. They not only held a lead, I was I was expecting the Rockets to climb back into this one with, with Anthony Davis on the bench without Boogie Davis. But they not only held the lead, they extended it to 18 points. And all of this, I forget to mention that Drew Holiday was sitting on the bench for a large majority of this period. He got two early fouls. AD didn't enter until the five-minute mark of the second period. And with Rhino's tech at the three-minute mark, the Pels pushed the game to as much as 21 points in the first with a 64-43 to lead. This is still the first half. And the Pelicans are out to this margin. Now, it should be noted that the Rockets do normally give up 108 points per game. So the Pelicans were a little past that pace. Let let it be said, they finished with 128, so they were exactly on the pace for what they finished with. But the Rockets are known to give up a lot of points, but they also were second in the league with 115.5. And at this point, with three minutes left, they had 43 at halftime, the game was scored at 68-50, to 50, and we all thought we were only living in a dream. We thought at some point, this is going to catch up to the Pelicans. The, the Rockets are, are so much deeper with players on their bench like Eric Gordon and, and Lou Williams, two six-men-of-the-year candidates. One of them is bound to win it, and they just never caught up. The Pels shot 51% in the half, went 7-21 from 3, 33%. Um, uh, I think four out of, I think all seven of those were Solomon Hill <laughs> and Wayne Selden. I apologize for the laughter, but Solomon Hill was four for five and Wayne Selden was three for four from three. So yeah, the two of them combined for all of the three-pointers in the first half. I, I just can't explain it. Anyway, uh, the Pen, the Pels continued on in the third. They went up by as many as 98-80 uh, to 80 to finish it. It was a 30-for-30, 30 30, an even split. It was a very exciting period. And, uh, the Rockets went on a 6-0 run early, the first 45 seconds of the third, but uh, Alvin Gentry called a prompt timeout. The Pelicans got back ahead of them. Some highlights hardened at 14-4. Every time the Pelicans got out to a to a seemingly uncatchable lead. Um, James Harden, the MVP, he was there to, to bring them back. He had a monstrous game, had a triple-double before the end of the third. Etwan Moore gave the fans something to cheer about with a nasty crossover on Eric Gordon. Uh, Eric Gordon fell flat on his backside, uh, and it got all of Smoothie King Center in a tizzy. Salomon Hill had 25 points through the third. Who would have ever thought... In the fourth, the Rockets used a 14-4 run to bring it to 114-103. And like I said, this is when Alvin Gentry pulled a Steve Kerr and <laughs> said some things that, unfortunately, the cameras did catch because I saw it and read his lips on some of the words that he was uttering. But, you know, what? It, it didn't even matter. The, the Pelicans pulled out to a 16-point victory. Uh, they have now won three of their past four. I know not a lot of people are commenting on that with the Charlotte Hornets and the Portland Trailblazers disregarding the, the heat of Miami, which the Pelicans had a great chance of winning, only lost by eight. But um, the Rockets had won three in a row. They had won seven of the past ten. It's not like they're going through a slump. They're the second 
highest scoring team. Um, they still got close to that mark, their mark of 115.5. They ended up with 112. When they played on Wednesday versus, um, given the Los Angeles Lakers, the second worst team in the league right now, record-wise, they scored 139 points and only managed uh, 112. Anthony Davis... 24 points, 15 rebounds, much of those in the fourth. He did have three turnovers, but he was 10 of 18 shooting, only 4 of 5 from the free throw line, but no worries, Solomon Hill made up a lot of that. Tim Frazier had an impressive performance, 14 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Drew Holiday, I mean, it's got to be the Boogie Cousins factor. He played really well tonight, those early fouls aside. He finished with 19 points. Six assists, he had great efficiency, 9 of 17 from the field, and 0 of 5 from 3, so 9 of 12 inside that stripe, and shot well from the free throw line. He did have one turnover. In the early boogie era, he was averaging 6 a game, but the past um, 4 games, he's really curbed down on those, but he just had an all-around great game. Each one more contributed 9, and um, 1... Major sour note. I know this is really upsetting because uh, I wrote a big article tonight on uh, Jordan Crawford that's on PelicanDebrief.com. Go ahead and check it out. It's five distinct facts about him. We ended Jordan Crawford's streak of five games with 10 points or more. This was his sixth game in a Pelicans uniform. He scored only seven, but no worries, Pels fans, because we've already extended him through the rest of the season. We've got him locked up for next season on a team option. He is here to stay. I broke open some of the facts about Jordan Crawford you might not know, including the six teams in the NBA he's played for, the two universities he's played for, including the University of Xavier in Cincinnati, Ohio, Indiana Hoosiers, who he actually played with Eric Gordon um, before Ralph Sampson's whole ordeal took place and he had to transfer. And an interesting note, in 2009, I don't know if you guys will remember this, there was this whole uh, hobnob about LeBron James uh, getting dunked on by a high schooler at a Nike uh, workshop, and all the cameras were confiscated because nobody wanted to know that it had happened. Apparently, it was Jordan Crawford, and he wasn't a high schooler. He was a, a sophomore. Um, he was ineligible to play at the time because he had transferred to University of Xavier, so this was the only ball playing he could get in a pickup game. But it was it was he, and I did manage to find a, a side view. It's not high quality but any by any means. But anyway, excited to have him for the rest of the season. Excited to have him going forward. Anyway, the Pell shot 53% of the night on the night, 35% from three, 75% from the free throw line, which is a great improvement over the past couple of games. They have not been shooting well from the stripe. But tonight they were 18 of 24, only 12 turnovers down from their average of 16, 29 assists up from their average of 21. They were moving the ball very well, getting excellent spacing. They out-rebounded the Rockets 53 to 46, which um, shouldn't... Uh, sounds shocking with the Rocket small ball lineup, but with Boogie in the lineup, they've been losing these battles, uh, which has been very strange. But tonight, with this lineup, they, they just played very, very hard. Dante Cunningham was battling, got a bunch of crucial offensive rebounds. Um, even though Anthony Davis only had, I think, three points in the first quarter, he still contributed nine rebounds. So these guys really wanted this contest. You could tell right from the outset. They won the Battle of the Paint, 58-46. to They hit 12 
three-pointers out of 34 tries. And uh, that's about the story. James Harden was in usual MVP form. He put up an incredible display. 41 points, 14 assists, 11 rebounds, 2 steals. He did put in 5 turnovers, but it hardly mattered as he did it on 12 of 21 shooting, 4 of 10 from 3, 40%, 13 of 14 from the free throw line. God, if we had him on our team. But... Unfortunately, Lou Williams was their next scorer with 14 points on only 4 of 12 shooting, 6 of 8 from the free throw line. And Gordon was 13 of 4 of 13. Harrell had 13. A lot of these guys just, they were not hitting their shots. They were taking a lot of prayers from 5 feet behind the 3-point line. It looked as if they weren't comfortable. They made 41.6% from the field, 32.5% from 3. Very far down from their from their average on the year. Now, one interesting story, as we begin to wrap up the game that Scott Kushner and several others on Twitter were referring to, was apparently the Houston Rockets chose not to stay in New Orleans the night before the game. Apparently they chose to stay in Baton Rouge. Now the interesting part of the story, even Joel Myers was touching on it during the game, was that there were no rooms, or not enough rooms to... Uh, to house an entire team available in a five-star hotel in the New Orleans area. So the nearest place where they could house the entire unit was a five-star hotel in Baton Rouge. And this is hilarious for several reasons. One, that an NBA franchise needs to be put in a five-star hotel. I understand that the guys play hard and they deserve they deserve to be treated well, to get a nice warm bed. But at the same time, to, to trade that for an hour and a half drive, especially on a game day, you would think these guys would prefer the uh, the ease of travel over the, the comfy uh, flower bed. But it turns out that they opted to stay in Baton Rouge, and you have to wonder after this contest if they had to drive all the way back to Baton Rouge to get their things to travel to Denver, where they're having the second night of their back-to-back tomorrow night. But all of this aside, none of this had any ramifications on the game tonight, I'm sure, with with the exception of the 90-minute travel that they probably had to withstand tonight. But anyway, the Pelicans get the win. They move to 28-41 on the year. The Rockets fall to 47-22, and and the Pelicans have tomorrow night off, a well-earned day of rest before they travel to Minnesota in an unusually early Sunday game where they will play at 5 p.m. Central Time against Anthony Davis's old-famed counterpart, the Kentucky Wildcat, Carl Anthony Towns. He always gets up for this young fella. So this is a game that no Pelicans fan will want to miss because it's one where we probably are off to see Anthony Davis go off or something by the tune of 35 and 20 or 40 and 15. Who knows how much he'll score. Andrew Wiggins will be on hand as well as Ricky Rubio. And hopefully we'll see Chris Dunn, someone that the Pelicans really wanted to take in the draft this year, but weren't able to as the Wolves took him. When many experts had the Wolves taking Jamal Murray, they opted for Chris Dunn. And he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time and he hasn't played well. So Hopefully the young man can continue to improve, but they dropped to 28 and 40 tonight against Miami. They lost 123 to 105. Now the Houston Rockets were led tonight by Coach of the Year candidate Mike D'Antoni, MVP candidate James Harden, and like I said, six men candidates Lou Williams and Eric Gordon. This has to be puzzling 
for uh, Pelicans fans and Pelicans brass, this is the third best team in the NBA, at least in the Western Conference. They might be as far as fourth back if you put them behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, but they score and they score at will. They beat everyone in their path. They can't be stopped from three-point range. The last game against the Pelicans, they set records with 24 makes on 61 attempts from three-point range, and yet the Pelicans really slowed them down with a lineup that didn't include Boogie Cousins. What does this mean? Um, it's it's hard for me to say, as I've never been a Boogie fan. He, he pouts far too often. He lacks energy. He uh, A lot of Pelicans um, brass on Twitter will say that he's exhausted and he's not in game shape, but just watching his facial reactions, watching the way he trots up the court, you know, even when you're tired, you still make effort. You still run. And if you can't make it, you put your hands on your hips, you put your hands on your knees. You don't see this from DeMarcus. You see frustration. You you see aggravation. You don't see fatigue on his face. You see him trot up the court, and you see him complain to referees, and you see the other players uh, against the... Um, the Toronto Raptors last week, I had the privilege of being in the arena, and I saw all four, well not all four, four out of the five starters approaching the referee at one point, all complaining in tune with DeMarcus Cousins. One thing I will tell you, tonight against the Houston Rockets, you did not see the New Orleans Pelicans complaining. Maybe it was due to the fact that they were winning. Maybe it's due to the fact that they were out to a large lead for the majority of the game. Maybe it's due to the fact that they saw the frustration on the faces of Patrick Beverly and Ryan Anderson. But I have to believe it's not a coincidence. I have to believe that DeMarcus Cousins brings a lot of negativity to the floor. And the Pelicans don't have that negativity when he's not on the floor. They have effort. They run up and down the court. Uh, Joel Myers constantly referred to the pace and it really agreeing with the Pelicans, and this is part of Alvin Gentry's system, is having a, a small ball five and having a bunch of shooters and a bunch of runners and a bunch of guys giving effort. And maybe it's maybe it's Alvin Gentry who, who can't design uh, an offensive set for two big men. Maybe it's, it's part of the New Orleans Pelicans for not being able to uh, integrate Boogie into their system. Maybe it's Drew Holiday's fault. He shot so much better without Boogie in the lineup. Maybe he can't figure out how to shoot. From the perimeter, he can't figure out how to penetrate with two big men clogging the lane, although DeMarcus Cousins is on the three-point line so often, I can't see how it makes much difference whether it's him out there or Dante Cunningham. But anyway, you know what I mean. Let's 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 talk about some highlights. Salmon Hill, he paced the, the, the Pels tonight with 30 points. And I got into a bit of an argument with Jake Madison of Locked on Pels. Big respect for him. I'm not knocking him by any means. He was out there defending Solomon Hill, saying that this is something the Pelicans have essentially been holding back from him. And I argued he's been scoring six points a year with or without DeMarcus Cousins. This is not due to DeMarcus Cousins being off the floor. He has given 10 of 16 points in the past week, but Boogie was in both of those games. So I don't see where Jake Madison's argument takes place. But with that being said, he scored five points in the first two minutes. And it just really appears to me that when Solomon Hill can bury buckets early on, his confidence grows. He's not afraid to take the shot. And tonight, as he saw his shots going through the net, he just kept jacking them up. And eventually, he was even charging through the lane, drawing contact and, and throwing up balls. And what really impressed me beyond that was I get like the confidence causing any player to shoot. But 
he was leading the offense in transition after grabbing quick rebounds. He was leading the team down the floor, making very crisp passes. It was very impressive. This really appeared to be the man that Dell Demps thought he was getting when he offered him the $48 million deal. He really put on a show tonight. looked very impressive. I, I, I hesitate to say somebody took over his body because he still had the same shooting motion, but he really appeared to have confidence far um, superior to what he usually does. He just kept jacking them up, and they just kept going in. Um, and on top of that, he was principally guarding James Harden, so if that wasn't exhausting enough, I, I don't know what could be. So hopefully he keeps this play up. If not this season, hopefully he can build on it and and bring it into next season because we're really going to need it, especially through this DeMar DeMarcus Cousins um, experiment. But what this might be telling us is Solomon Hill really fits the uh, the small ball four lineup, and Anthony Davis is so well suited for uh, small ball five, and I know he doesn't want to play it, and the Pelicans brass are just trying to appease him. But anyway, it's one game. The Rockets' shots just didn't fall tonight, and that could be a big element of of what went on. They just weren't going in. Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, these guys are averaging incredible three-point margins, and their shots just, to be honest, just weren't falling. Trevor Ariza, none of these guys. Um, another story, Wayne Selden, has he earned himself a roster spot going forward? Um, he, he gave a lot of effort. He played some solid defense, not a lot of turnovers, scored 11 points on three of four shooting. Has he earned himself a roster spot? Yeah, I think most people would argue that he probably has. But the bottom line is the Pelicans don't have a whole lot of other options. What are they going to do? Keep firing out 10-day contracts to more D-leaguers? No. Keep well, Wayne Selden on the roster. See what he's capable of. But um, in all honesty, uh, over the over the summer, he... He might earn himself a roster spot, but he's not going to be a top eight rotational pr player going forward, I would think. Otherwise, uh, who would have thought of two diamonds in the rough on 10-day contracts with him and Jordan Crawford? But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it. But you know, what do I know? Uh, the Pelicans walk away with the win tonight, 128-112. to Again, they will be facing the Timberwolves on Sunday. My name is Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis on Twitter. That's at Preston Ellis on Twitter. Follow our site, pelicandebrief.com. Part two of my trade options column will be debuting tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Central Time. The first one was a hit last Friday, so hopefully you guys enjoy this one as much. Again, thank you guys so much, so much. If you've made it this far... Please go and rate us on iTunes, subscribe, go to Twitter, hit me up at Preston Ellis, tell me what you want to hear, send us some questions, give us some feedback even. We'd love any input you guys would like to offer. Again, this is the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's go Pelicans! Pelicans!